Well, Easter Sunday, we kicked off this brand new series simply titled Life Beyond Existence. And this whole series is exactly what the title means. Isn't that amazing? Life beyond existence. How can we experience a life that has meaning, that has purpose? How can we experience a life better than probably we have right now? And so one of those kind of core verses that we kind of built as a a kind of the foundation of this entire series is this verse uh, found in John 10.10. And kind of one of my secret goals, which now is not so secret, is that uh, at the end of this series, you all will have this verse memorized. And this is what it says. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, meaning Jesus, but I have come so that we can have life. Life to the full. Life abundantly. Life beyond our expectations. Life more than we could ever, ever dream of to have that type of life. Well, what Jesus knew was this. That he wanted us to experience that type of life. But yet there's this person called the thief or Satan. And he wants to steal and kill and ultimately destroy you from all existence for eternity. We all get that this life has difficult moments, doesn't it? We all understand. We all have issues walking in here today. We all have stress and pressure and tense moments. We all are dealing with different things, maybe some very similar. And we walk in here today, and there might be some really amazing points of your life right now, but there's some pretty difficult, hard stressful points of your life. And how can we have this life, life beyond existence, life abundantly, life to the full? How can we have it? Not only because it's promised for eternity, but here on this earth. How can we have it? So one of these guiding principles that uh, I, I, I shared at the very end last week of the Easter that is going to be another one of these pieces that's just going to kind of guide, we're going to build upon kind of this foundation. It states this, to gain the most out of life, grasp the magnitude of Christ's life. So to gain the most in this one life that we have, grasp the magnitude, the impact of Christ, his life, his actions, his words. What he came, why he came, what he did here on this earth. You see, we all, and I know we get this, we all have one life. We don't know when it's going to end. None of us do. Today, you could walk out of these doors, walk down the stairs, and as you're leaving the opera house, there could be like a rabid pigeon that's, that like dives, hits you in the head, and you're done. I know all of you today are going to be wa- walking out, and you're going to shove someone in front of you. You go first. This morning, I'm not joking. I'm sitting at the stoplight, just right here on Springfield. I'm sitting, and, and this bird, my, my oldest was in the car with me. This bird 
comes straight at our windshield. I mean, it's locked on. It's, it's coming at us. And again, I don't know if birds can get rabies. I don't know if that's possible. But it had a look in its eyes. It's coming at my And I literally, ah, we're going to die. And they like went up over our car. I'm like, wow, I've never seen that. So today, just watch yourself as you leave the opera house. Here's what I know, what we're going to talk about today. I think it's the thing that we all have in common. I think all of us, no matter your background, where you moved from, whether you grew up here in Jersey, whatever you do, however successful you are, I think we all will have this one thing in common. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. And I actually want you to raise your hand, a little group participation. I promise the, the questions won't be that difficult. I just want to make sure that we all are on the same page. And I think it's important for all of you to go, okay, yeah, we all here are on the same page. So here's the question number one. Again, I really want to see your hands. Okay. If you have at least, at least one. Now, some of you are going to be overachievers in this area, which is awesome. But if you at least have one, one friend, raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Okay, wait, keep them up, keep them up. It's important. Now, if, you're, if someone's sitting around you and they have their hand down, can you just go, I'm your friend? And now you can put your hand up? Okay, awesome, put your hands up. Okay, great. Now everyone at least has a friend, okay? Yes, that's great. Okay, now, second question. If you've ever, ever had any type of conflict argument, disagreement, falling out, yelling, screaming, kicking the dog type of fight with a friend, raise your hand. Oh, you guys are a lot more eager to put up your hands. You're like, yeah. Okay. That's everyone. Okay. Third question. If you've ever had one of those arguments or disagreements or fights with a person sitting next to you, raise your hand. Some of you are really here. Yeah, yep. Your fault. <laughs> it's all, last or the same thing. I had people like anticipating the question. They're like, I'm just going to put my hand up. I know it's coming. All right. It's something we all have in common, isn't it? We all have amazing relationships, amazing friendships, but also incredible stress. When it comes to our relational world, our relational spheres, right? It's amazing how much family and friendship and kids and husbands and wives and all can bring so much joy and so much pain. And today, I'm sure, without knowing your your world, your, 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 your context, your life, right now, you're dealing with deep wounds from people. You're dealing with deep, fractured relationships, tense relationships. Relationships that have exploded. Relationships that are on the verge of just being decimated. And that brings so much pain into our lives. You see, the question isn't, you know, how, how do we get rid of kind of relational tension, fractured relationship? It, we'll never get rid of that. It's impossible. Why? 
Because, because we mess it up, don't we? I mean, we're self-centered. We're self-absorbed. We're prideful. We're me-centered. We mess up relationships. So the question isn't how do we, how do we solve it? It's how do we navigate through relational tension and experience a life beyond existence? Experience a life abundantly to the full. Now, here's the caution for today. And this is critical. I realize completely that you have never messed up when it comes to relationships. You're perfect. I'm perfect. It's always other people messing up relationships. I get that. Our secret. (laughs) But for today, do not, from this time forward, do not think of other people. For the next 20 minutes, do whatever you can to focus on yourself. Because here's reality. And for you type A controlling type of personalities like me, you think you can change other people. Guess what? You can't. You know the only person you can change? Yourself. It is so easy when it comes to relationships, and especially tension within relationships, to point all the blame on everyone else. And think it's their fault. And never stop to think about yourself. So today, there's going to be moments where names come screaming into your mind. I mean, vivid images of a person's face will come into your mind. And I'm just going to ask, just shove that out and keep focused on yourself. We're going to be looking at this, this story Uh, in Matthew chapter 18. And actually, it starts out with a question, and Jesus answers the question, then tells a story. So I'm going to get into the question, and then I'm going to skip the answer. And I think you'll discover the answer in the story Jesus tells, but then I'm going to come back at the very end and give you the answer that Jesus gives Peter. But here's the question that Peter asks. Peter says this, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? How many times? And he, he, he goes on to kind of, kind of say, well, seven times? Is that the number? You know what Peter was saying? Okay. There has to be a limit. So just give me the number, and now I'll know. Just whatever that number is, Jesus, I'm fine. I get this forgiveness saying we need to forgive, so just give me the number. And I don't think, now this isn't in the Bible, but I don't think it's one of those, just, those great hypothetical questions that Peter's like, okay, Jesus, I'm going to set you up with a great question so you can give a great answer with a great story for people for thousands of years to know. I think Peter was sitting there going, hey, Jesus, we got an issue. We need to downsize the 12 disciples to 11, possibly 10. Hey, Jesus. Every time he speaks, his voice just grates on me. Hey, Jesus, he's not pulling his load. Hey, Jesus, he keeps saying he's going to do and he doesn't do. Hey, Jesus, 
I know you're not quite aware. Wait, you're, you're God. You are aware. But you might not be fully aware. You're God. Okay, gee, there's an issue. And how many times do, how many times? And G, Jesus gives him an answer, but he tells this story. Okay? And he starts this story off by saying this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Okay. 10,000 bags of gold basically was equal to 20 years of his yearly salary. 20 years. I mean, that's not a small debt. That's not a small amount of money. I mean, put that into your world. And all of you make something different. Take your yearly salary, not just the salary. I mean, you have to bonus, health, retirement, company car, whatever your package is for a year, multiply it by 20. Could you today, on the spot, Write a check for that without using credit cards. That's, that's no, a huge amount. And this servant, I'm not sure what he did. I don't know if he bought property in Vegas and the economy tanked. I don't know if he invested in a new business, camel racing. I don't know. And it tanked. Somehow he racked up 20 years of his salary in debt. And the king called on it. Said, now, today. Verse 25. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. All that he owed. All that he owed. Now, this is it. We're going to talk about this point next week, so I'm going to just fly through this. But it wasn't just that the servant was going to be punished. Who else? His wife, his kids, all of their possessions. Again, we're going to talk about this next week. But we, we sometimes don't take enough time to realize that our decisions, our shortcomings... Our sin, our issues, severely impact everyone around us relationally. That's next week. Catch three simple actions. I mean, these three actions that the servant shows, what he does, we could put these actions into our life if we did that. It would, it would significantly, significantly change our relational world. Get what he does. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. He humbles himself, lowers himself in front of the king. Okay? He humbles himself. He fell at his knees. And he says, be patient with me, he begged. He took complete ownership for the situation. He said, be patient with me. He didn't say, hey, uh, king, 
Man, it was not my fault that the economy tanked. It's not my fault that that guy sold me bad camels. It's not my fault. It was out of my control. No, 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 no. He owned his actions. He owned his decisions. He said, just be patient with me. And then he said, I will pay back everything, everything. He wanted to make it right. Think about those three actions. If you would put that into your relational world. Again, you. This is about changing you. Not changing the other person, but you. Because most of my relational friction and tensions in life, I at least have some percentage of ownership in that. Some. Maybe it's 2%. Maybe it's 30%. Maybe it's 95% my fault. There's some percentage in there. Almost all my relational tension. There's some percentage that's mine to own. And could you imagine if you sat down with someone and you humbled yourself? Okay, maybe it would be awkward if you walked into your boss's office and just threw yourself at his feet or her feet. Like, right, that would be, I'm not saying that. But what would happen if you sat down with whoever that person might be? knee-to-knee, toe-to-toe, eye-to-eye. You look them in the eye. You didn't send a text message and say, I'm sorry. You didn't fire off an email. I'm sorry. You didn't pick up the phone and call. What if you sat down with a person, looked them in the eye in humility? And what if you took complete ownership for your part? We're good at saying, I'm sorry, But, I'm sorry, but I was just tired. I'm sorry, but that piece was out of my control. I'm sorry, but I didn't realize. I'm sorry, but. Do you know what happens when you say I'm sorry and then you include the word but? It says it's not your fault. You take no ownership over it. You need to work on. I need to I'm sorry, period. I'm sorry, period. I'm sorry, no excuses. I'm sorry. Think about the next time you're saying I'm sorry to someone. How easy it is for you to include that word, but. And as soon as you do that, that person's going to hear, I guess you're really not sorry. Because now you're going to blame someone else and you're not taking ownership for your actions doesn't matter why you hurt someone. doesn't matter. The fact that you caused that tension, you caused that fracture in the relationship. So take ownership. Then make it right. That takes action. That means you're going to work on not doing that again. And if you want a life-changing relationship with someone, they will see you change. Whatever percentage that you're taking responsibility for in that relationship, 
they will see you change. And I, and I promise, if you change, if you change, oh, just maybe they'll change. Just maybe. Listen. Listen to the king's response. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. The entire debt, 20 years worth of his salary, 10,000 bags of gold, he canceled it. He didn't put his arm around him and say, "Ah, okay, I get you can't pay it back today. We're going to put you on a payment plan and I'm only going to charge a 20% interest. I should have... 29, but I'm going to make you a deal today. And, you know, if you pay it off over the next two years, I'll decrease that. But if it goes more than two years, I'm going to add on to it. No. He canceled it. Gone. Could you imagine what was happening within that, that servant's heart? Not only was his debt canceled, but his wife, his kids, all his belongings, everything. He got to keep. What an amazing ending to the story. Like, cue the orchestra. Cue the curtains. Let's end the story now. But Jesus' parable, his story, has this devastating turn that I think is so similar to what we all do. Verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a, a, a hundred silver coins, basically three to four months of his salary. Not 20 years, three to four months. He grabbed him, began to choke him, and screamed, pay back what you owe me. Okay, this was immediately after Not weeks, not months, not years. It wasn't like he forgot what the king did for him. He left the king's chamber. The king wiped out his debt. The king saved his family's lives. The king extended so much forgiveness. And he left, found someone who owed him only three to four months worth, beat him up, screamed at him, then... He said, well, then the, 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 the servant that was beating up, he said in verse 29, it says that his fellow servant fell to his knees, begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. The same three actions. He fell, he begged, and he said, I'll make it right. He humbled himself, he took ownership, and he made a plan to say, I will make this right. And listen to what happens. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Translated, he would never pay it off. He's in jail. Jails back then, you didn't get paid. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. I mean, think about this side thought. Everyone around you is watching you and how you handle relationships. If you have kids, your kids are watching how you handle relationships. Your friends are watching how you treat other friends. 
I don't know if you've ever thought this before, but I've been in these situations before where I'm listening to someone complain to me about one of their friends, and you know what I'm thinking? Wow, I wonder if they talk about me like that. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow, uh, your fel- fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And this is how the Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You know what Jesus was saying? If you don't forgive people, God won't forgive you. And you might be sitting there right now going, wow, that's a pretty bold statement. Is that really what the story's saying? Yeah. It's really what the story's saying. And guess what? Jesus actually said those words. If you go back to Matthew chapter 6, listen to Jesus. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You see, the whole point of this story is that God sending his son to die on the cross and through a life-changing relationship with Jesus has forgiven your debt, your sins. And God's saying, if I have forgiven you that much, an, an unpayable amount, then why is it so difficult for you to forgive other people around you? Why is forgiveness such a difficult thing in life here on earth? When God has forgiven so much in our lives. Now, I want to give a quick caution. Because what I understand It's for some of you in this room, someone has caused deep emotional wounds, maybe even physical wounds to you. And you're like, ah, there's no way. There's no way. If you would know, Chris, what that person has done to me, there's no way I could forgive them. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to bring them back into your life. Forgiveness on your part doesn't mean that you have to sit down with that person again.
Forgiveness means that you forgive their debt. Where you let go of bitterness and anger and rage that's eating you up. And you forgive them not because they deserve it. Because you realize that God's forgiveness to you, you don't deserve. And if you want to experience a life beyond existence, you extend forgiveness to people that don't deserve forgiveness. Because you realize you don't deserve the forgiveness God's given you. Jesus answered Peter's question. Remember the question Peter asked. How many times? Seven times? You see, kind of in Jewish law and Jewish culture, the rabbis had kind of gotten together. And the rabbis had kind of developed kind of this this guardrail when it it came to forgiveness. And the guardrail stated this. Basically, if someone wronged you three times with the same sin, the same thing, if they, they cheated three times or they lied to you three times, whatever... By the fourth one, you didn't have to forgive anymore. Isn't that kind of nice? You're like, three strikes and you're out. Done. And Peter came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, you know this three strike thing. You know, on the fourth one, you don't have to anymore. I'm going to up that. I'm going to double that. What if we put it at seven? So Peter was literally saying, hey, hey, Jesus, okay, I get this forgiveness thing. And I get you're a God of uh, grace and love and that we should love everyone and extend grace to everyone. So let's take, let's take kind of what we know to be as a three-strike rule and let's double it. Wow, that's amazing. Seven times. Jesus gives them this answer. I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or 70 times seven. Or translated infinite, countless. You keep forgiving until you can't forgive anymore. You extend forgiveness upon forgiveness upon forgiveness. Try to out-forgive what God has forgiven you. And if you can do that, which is impossible, the debt's that big, then you can stop. But until then, you keep forgiving because God has forgiven you so much. There's this moment. Jesus was on the cross. and uh, There's a thief on each side of him. And one of the thieves, robbers, literally starts mocking Jesus. He starts saying, hey, Jesus, okay, if you're God, save yourself and me while you're at it. Hey, Jesus, if you're all powerful, why don't you like snap your fingers? Oh, wait, you can't. They're nailed. Hey, Jesus, if you're all that, now is the time. Why don't you do something? I mean, he's laying into Jesus. Thief on the other side. I mean, I can just imagine him just kind of reaching his head over, looking over, saying, hey, shut up. He is God. And I believe in him. And you have no right to talk to him that way. And then this thief says to Jesus, remember me. Remember me. Such a cool moment. 
Jesus said to this thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. This thief, he had moments to live. It's not like he could have done anything. He had lived a lifetime of sin and making a mess of his life. So much so, it got him on a cross. It's not like he could have changed around his life. Look at me now. I'm a new person in the next five minutes. And Jesus said, forgiveness is extended. Your debt is wiped out. There's nothing you have to do because I'm doing it right now. Then he said these words, it is finished. The Greek word, teleo, is translated paid in full. You see, if we want to gain the most out of this life here on this earth, we have to grasp the magnitude of Jesus' life. And the magnitude when he said, it is finished. It is paid in full. Your debt is wiped out. You have been forgiven of all your sin. And for some of you today, I want you to know that the reason Christ came, walked, got on the cross, died and rose was for you. And God said, all you have to do is name him as Lord and Savior, leader of your life. And you might be wondering, well, how do I do it? As simple as what the thief did nailed to the cross. I believe in you. And I want to be with you. And for some of you today, that's the step you need to take. That's the step. There's no fancy words. There's no right way to to say this or do this. You just need to say, okay, God, I get it. Christ died for me. He paid it all. I want to be with him for all eternity. It's as simple as that. For some of you, you've made that that step. And my challenge for you is this. Next time, you don't want to forgive someone. Next time, you don't think that person deserves your forgiveness. Next time, you shove someone out of your world and say never again. Next time, you fracture a relationship. Next time, remember Jesus' words. If you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. Man, I get that statement. It's a tough one. But if you start humbling yourself, in your relational circles, getting knee-to-knee, toe-to-toe, eye-to-eye with people, if you start owning your peace, whatever the size of that peace is, and start working on yourself, if you start 
doing those things in your life, if you started to extend forgiveness to people, and again, for some of you, I'm not saying bringing that person back into your relational world. They got stuff they got to work on. But if you start extending forgiveness to people with a heart to say, yeah, they don't deserve it. Yeah, they've done nothing to make it right. Yeah, they've done nothing to own their stuff. But if you start extending forgiveness to them, what's going to start happening inside of you will change your life. And then you'll start truly understanding the magnitude of the forgiveness that God has extended to you. Because we all have racked up a debt so massive we could never pay it back. And God, through his son, forgave the debt. Forgave it. Let me pray. Lord, I know today in this room, there's some difficult relational issues. Some that have been ongoing for years and years and years, and some that are just started. Lord, I understand this room, that there's deep emotional and physical wounds from relationships. Deep wounds. And Lord, what I know is this, is you will give us the, compa- the capacity to forgive. You will give us the capacity to ext- extend forgiveness. And when that happens, we'll experience a freedom. When that happens, the roots of bitterness cannot grow. When that happens, we'll start experiencing life. Life to the full. Lord, I pray for people in this room right now that are on this journey, and I hope they know, spiritually, I hope they know that there's nothing they have to do. That Jesus paid it all. It's been done. It's been done. In your name I pray, amen.